Welcome to the Beer in a Movie podcast, a podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I'm David Gurney and I'm here with Carlos Cooper and Ethan Thompson. So welcome to this uh, week's episode. We are going to be talking about one of Hollywood's greatest actors. Is that, am I, am I overselling this guy? Not at all. No? <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll maybe discuss the merits of that statement later, uh, but that's Nicolas Cage. And in particular, we're, we're going to be discussing him uh, because he is featured in a fairly recent release uh, in theaters, some theaters now, and also available as a video on demand. And that is called Mandy, um, directed and co-written by... And I'm going to butcher this guy's name. Panos Cosmatos. Sounds good to me. You like that? Greek, right? Is yeah. That, is it, it's got to be. It's got to be, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's got to yeah. be. Or he's from space. The Cosmatos, yeah. Yes. Right? That, that's Could go actually, either way. <laughs> after seeing this film, there's no telling. <laughs> so, he's uh, from another world, possibly. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, definitely a film that I think will give us a lot to talk about here. But yeah. as you know, before we get too far into the film itself. We like to get ourselves a libation going. And today, to start out, we have a lovely beer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume it's lovely. I guess we'll taste it and find out. Uh, from New Braunfels Brewing Company. That's uh, out of the state of Texas here. Carlos brought this this evening. It is their Saison de Electra. And it is described on the bottle as... A uh, farmhouse beer with, oh, let's see, a wheat saison ale refermented with strawberries and vanilla bean. So, Carlos, want to say a word about why you chose this uh, bottle for tonight? Well, I was uh, <clears throat> I was browsing the shelves and looking for um, one of the things that I liked the most about Mandy was a lot, was the color palette and a lot of the lighting and stuff. So, I was kind of looking for something that was going to match that. And that was going to give me that same kind of reddish, pinkish, mm-hmm. you know, glow mm-hmm. um, that a lot of the scenes in Mandy have. And this label has that for me. Nick yeah. Cage's character is even named Red. Is named Red, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I went back and forth actually a lot. I like saw it and I was like, oh, that would be perfect. And I was like, wait, no, that might... Mm, too on the nose. Too on the little nose. too on the nose. Maybe it <laughs> doesn't actually have any tie-in whatsoever. Um, and I was, you know, trying to keep it themed as, uh-huh. as we tend to do. But I just kept Ooh. scanning the shelves and coming back to it. And every time I was like, no, I think that uh, I think this might be the one. So you yeah. had a reaction to the smell. Well, I think it's a beautiful smell. The, the, the label is red. So that, the, you know, bingo there. You, you definitely uh, struck gold. The, the color itself, it's a hazy color. It's, you know, it's, it's not very translucent here. And it does have a slight reddishness. To it, um, you know, I, I would say it's kind of like a straw mixed with uh, red. Yeah, but, there's a little bit there, not yeah. as much as you might think. For but the nose is just amazing, like yeah, total is. strawberry. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I and I'm even getting the vanilla too. I mean that that is a lovely, lovely aroma. Okay, thank you, Carlos. This is going to be delicious. I think once I start sipping on it. But um, just just to get us uh, prepped here, I'll say just a couple words. So Panis Cosmatos, this is uh, his sophomore effort. It looks like I've not seen his first film. Um, the, though I've heard things about it, uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow, it came out quite a few years ago now, um, but, but apparently has uh, 
gotten this second film off the ground out in theaters. Uh, it had premiered at the Sundance Film Festival earlier this year, and it is described, at least on IMDb and Wikipedia, as an action horror film, although I think that does the film a bit of a disservice um, because I think it, it does some things that would fall well outside that. Uh, but the basic premise is it's, it's actually a pretty simple story. Man, woman, together. Does it ever establish if they're married? I don't know. No. I don't think it explicitly but states that they're cohabitating. Happen. They're yeah. living together yeah. out in the rural wilderness. He is a woodsman. He, he is a Chops lumberjack. Down trees. Yeah. I mean, what a cool opening. <laughs> we can talk about that. Um, so, you know, uh, living out in the wilderness and then this strange religious cult group kind of just crosses their path and decides that they must, the leader of the cult decides he must have uh, Nicolas Cage's uh, love interest and who is, who is named Mandy, the, the, the love of his character, life, the love as of his the uh, synopsis describes. Right. And uh, obviously, so there's a kidnapping involved and, and actually um, worse than kidnapping. M- Mandy is disposed of by the cult when she does not conform to uh, their wishes. And then it becomes a revenge film where we see uh, Nick Cage kind of uh, striking back against this religious cult. So from there, I mean, Ethan's already kind of tipped us off. It, it's it's not your typical revenge film. There's a lot uh, going on here, right? It is a, it's a freaky film. Can I say that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. It is. Um, I really enjoyed it but in a disturbed manner. Yeah. I really, it's a really unsettling film that I just, I liked it. I liked it a lot despite the fact that I'm not a horror guy at all just because, you, you know, the way you described it, just as it's true, the, those things are all true. That's what it's about. And yet that doesn't convey at all the sense of what the experience of watching the film is yeah. like because it's very, um, I don't want to say it's druggy, but it is. It's oh, kind of psychedelic drug. Yeah, okay, so it's druggy. druggy. <laughs> Super well, so that's part of the part of it is that this cult um, they do LSD a lot. Apparently, that's part of how it got started. I guess as you do. Supposedly, they got when dosed at some point, and they went from regular Jesus freaks to like Manson psychotic Jesus freaks. Yeah, uh, but there's a the sequence when they capture Mandy and they put, I guess, LSD in her eye or something, right? And then she is tripping out but it's more than that it's like the whole there's this sort of hypnotic feel to the whole film yeah yeah um besides the literal you know on drugs part of it right right yeah absolutely i mean from the very get-go i mean the it's interesting because uh the pacing of the film you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. it's very kind of slow especially the first act is just kind of like very kind of methodical and slow and you get these really interesting kind of landscape shots the, you know the film opens with us seeing these trees and you know then we we get to uh cage as as his character red in the forest kind of cutting things down the which is a, a hard ass scene like he yeah cuts down this giant tree and very calmly walks away yeah yeah. It's badass. Yeah. Like from the very yeah. oh, beginning, no, Nick Cage is badass. Establishes Brad as as a, you know, man of the earth, right? I mean, <laughs> he is just like, uh, you know, salt of the earth kind of dude, at least the way that, you know, the film kind of defines him, but but does it in such a non-traditional way. I mean, like, there, yeah. there's nothing about this that, like, sets things up as being normal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, he kind of disappears there also yeah, for a lot of that true. first act. You know, true. and I was thinking, oh, okay, I can see how they got Nick Cage because they didn't need him around for, like, you know, half the shoot or so. <laughs> right. But it's really, I guess it's about 30 minutes or so. Yeah. Um, 
before it's I mean, time for I, him to take charge. I was a little concerned there for a minute because I was coming into this expecting full frontal cage. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> then he was like not around a lot. And I was like, wait a second, what's happening? But mm-hmm. oh, you, it, it makes up for it. It, it makes, makes up, up for it. it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But but you're right. We get to spend some time with Mandy um, for yeah, a while as yeah. an artist. Who's kinda. an interesting character yeah. in her own right. It's kind of, I mean, she does kind of fall into... Um, you know, the female character that is just there for the inciting incident to get the plot going. But at the same time is, is a little more than that. Not too much, but some of the stories that, or that one story in particular, she tells that mirrors a lot of what ends up happening to her is like, I mean, that's a pretty okay. intense scene to watch. Yeah. To hear her say, I mean, I don't know. I was, so you're referring to, there's a moment, I believe unsettled. you're referring to where, where she's like, she, she and Nicholas cage are like, laying in bed and she tells the story of her father killing these birds. These right. birds, yeah. yeah. Like and wanting her to the kill. Starlings, actually, yeah. like, yeah. right, forcing the children, her and her yeah. siblings, I guess. And to, then she runs away because yeah. she's, like, not down right. with it. Right. Um, and is disturbed by it, as you should be. She, she is a gentle person. I yes. found her to have a real... Um, Shelley Duvall like presence, yeah. Yeah. Like physical You're, presence, and just this sort of ethereal. Um, she doesn't have a lot of eyebrows. Maybe that's part of it. No, that is. I mean, that is, <laughs> is you, a defining characteristic of her appearance. I she's think. been in a lot of other things. Really, is a, is a strange thing. And I looked her up after because I couldn't remember seeing her in things, but. Her look is so different. Yeah, they yeah. really like downplay. Like, oh, she's in Birdman. Yeah, yeah. Her her makeup is very sort of um, plain, I guess. Yeah. You know, or oh, like, yeah. I guess they, they probably didn't use a whole lot of makeup. Right. And her hair is just very straight and down. Oblivion with Tom Cruise. Yeah. Hey, the only <laughs> thing where he goes call to call save the natural resources. <laughs> the only thing that could be better than her being in that is if she was also in Sahara. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need a bell. Which <laughs> I don't. Ding ding. Uh, yeah, or like a um, how many episodes since we last referenced a yeah. Sahara counter? Yeah, it, it'll never get past <laughs> six one. degrees it'll of Sahara. One. Uh, but but anyhow, she um, you know she, so she's had a lot of a lot of roles in the past. But I and I've seen some of these films. I just didn't recognize her because she was so dressed down in that uh, in the way they had her in. This yeah, film. and I'm, and she has yeah. that scar on her cheek. Mm-hmm. They, they're kind of putting. She has that. a very unique presence i mean i right. the film is just uh so visually compelling and moody i mean it really is like uh, an art film basically mm-hmm. more more than a genre film well, that's, i think right right i think especially until we get to the third act right i yeah. mean like the, i would think a typical horror fan who didn't at least have some appreciation of maybe you know psychotronic or drug exploitation films would probably get pretty bored with it and angry maybe in the first. Can you act explain psychotronic films a little bit? Um, you know, films that really kind of revel in psychedelic imagery and Altered often because states. yeah, often because they have drugs as part of their plots. Um, characters on drugs or experiencing mm-hmm. trips or you know whatever it may be, and so that's certainly part of the film. I mean, the, shortly after we see him as the logger, we see somebody sparking up a bowl, right? And the, yes, yes. <laughs> the so it's like you know the tone is set like you're going to be on some sort of strange yeah. visual journey, and visually it is really 
interesting because the lighting that they're using, right? I mean, like, yeah. and it'll shift in the middle of scenes, like as the, as uh, you know, Mandy and Red are talking, like it'll go from being blue light that they're kind of bathed in to being red light, and yeah. then, and there's no real like diegetic explanation. There's no story world explanation. This is all no just reason kinda, for it, and they're not on drugs either. I mean, like that, mm-hmm. that's just kind of mood setting or you know creating this Nick kind Cage of- does that Red does do this <laughs> pile of coke though right at well that's later that's later, later. Yeah, we're really getting gets, ahead of ourselves he does all kinds of things getting ahead um, of ourselves uh, well one of the things about it though is it also has well I think we'll maybe talk about the music a little bit at one point some point but it also kind of does this Stranger Things I mean, it's set yeah. in 1983, so it shares that with Stranger Things. It's a far more dark, <laughs> violent, yeah. Stranger Things, and makes and, and, less sense than Stranger Things, if you can believe that. But um, there, but there are some tiny bits of uh, sort of nostalgia in there with the Motley Crue T-shirt that yeah. Mandy wears, and but it's nowhere near the level of Vince Neil Stranger was things. also at the premiere of this film. Really? Uh, yeah. Wow. Just fun fact. I'm sure he approves. Yeah, I'm sure he had a great time. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we can listen to a little bit of the music if we want. I mean, I don't know if that's the thing we're trying to do. Well, we should at some point. Yeah, I think. I was the one, the one thing that I wanted out. to mention though is that like in in Stranger Things where you have that opening Hold title. On. No, okay. can't start. In Stranger Things where you have you know you have the opening title that they always do yeah. and with that music, there's a similarity with the music. But beyond that, the title itself. One of the things about Mandy is she's always reading these fantasy novels, right? Um, and I read an, a, a, an, an interview or an article with the director, Panos, 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 yeah. Cosmatos, and he was talking about how he um, wanted to bring this feel to it that was kind of based on these fantasy books that he would see the covers of when he was a kid oh, in the 80s. He never actually read them, yeah. but they would have these crazy covers, yeah. and so you would just like imagine what bizarre worlds, you know, things yeah. that go on in those books that was, would be way more bizarre than what those books are probably actually about. Right. But that's kind of the world of this film. It's mm-hmm. like you take those covers and their strange illustrations, and then you can imagine what that would actually be like. And that kind of plays out in the film. Um, I, I kept thinking about that I was, as I was watching it. They, there's some superficial or not so superficial things that they do with the na- naming the segments and having. Yes, uh, on I love the title titles. cards. Yeah, I love the title. Yeah. Cards. yeah, which are callbacks, I guess, to, yeah. to her and her reading the book. Right. And she's actually talking about the book with one of these cult members at some point. Right. Um, but uh, anyway, I thought that was that was an example of how the film was really evocative. It seeks to be evocative of the, this, the, these bizarre places and covers the way that yeah. those books are, even if it isn't directly about telling a particular story or it's not um, like what those books were, but what his experience of them were, what he thought they would be. It right. creates this unique Well, in, world. in her art itself, right? I mean, right. she's an artist. She works as a clerk at a store, apparently. I mean, we do see that one scene of her there reading, like you say, and she's talking to one of the cult members. But yeah, when we see her at home, she's working on this kind of art that definitely has fantasy elements to it. So it kind of makes sense. I mean, it, and and so that her world would kind of be saturated with that kind of yeah. look. Can we can we go ahead and give give the listeners a little taste of the music? I feel like if I was listening to this, I would want to know what it sounds like sure. right now.
can just kind of see Nick Cage glaring into the camera. Yeah. The yeah. crazed look in his eyes. <laughs> so this is this is a track called "The Children of the New Dawn," right? Which is the uh, which the is the cult. Yeah, yeah, the name of the cult. Um, notable things about this soundtrack: um, Johan Johansson. I th- it, sounds right. Yeah, uh, um, really wanted to infuse a lot of the heavy metal kind of uh, influences that you know pop up in the film with the you know the Molly Crew team right. especially the Mandy font on that title card right. is very heavy metal inspired yeah. um, also um, unfortunately his last uh, last film score no yeah, yeah well, he, he died about six months ago yeah um, an overdose of uh, a combination of like pills and heroin I think oh, um, it was drug related I mean he was 45 yeah. I think so he wasn't but he, I mean he's done a lot of great some work great scores Arrival I mean, Sicario uh, yeah. oh my gosh yeah, yeah so he'd worked with uh, Denis Villeneuve uh, several times yeah. and The Theory of Everything I mean it, he he was definitely responsible for some of the best scores of the last few years yeah five years or so um, so yeah when I, I it was only going into this that I read that and I, it, it was kind of a uh a, a real bummer. Oh, that's right. I remember reading about this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, very yeah. unfortunate so, so circumstances. Clearly but super talented composer. Incredible. We, we need to cherish these things that we have, and and this is certainly one of them. I think the score in this film is just such an integral part of it that you know, in terms of mood setting, it, it, I couldn't imagine the film without it. It's probably um, one of the most requested. Um, soundtrack releases in recent memory here really? in the store yeah wow. um very nice <clears throat> has it, it's gotten a vinyl release um is it officially out yet i mean it it it, it will if okay. it hasn't yet okay probably by the time this airs it will have come out okay slash i will have copies in the store mm-hmm. um I can't remember what the exact release date for it was, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I was getting enough requests that I had to like, you know, kind of bump up my initial order, which thankfully nice. I was able to do because it has the first print of it is sold out pretty fast. Um, most places. Wow. I know it, it was released by Inveda and they have like mail order exclusive things that they do. If you buy direct from them, mm-hmm. uh, they're sold out at least a week ago. Um, it was like a clear record, but, but anyway, um, yeah, great score. The artwork on it and the packaging and everything is top notch as it usually is with Inveda. Well, and just, um, and just given the imagery of the film, you would hope that they would put yeah. that kind of, no, it's, uh, it's great. I mean, into it. the cover is black with a kind of gloss black print of the Mandy font from the title mm-hmm. card, that crazy, you know, heavy yeah. metal kind of thing. But speaking of heavy metal, that's another one of the influences it seems like. Oh, sure. For sure. Right. Yeah. Like heavy yeah. metal, the animated movie. Yeah. There are animated sequences. Yeah, in the film we need to talk nice. about the animated sequences. It's fantastic. Yeah, let's yeah. Do. So, in, I didn't in addition that. to these title cards that we get occasionally throughout the film, announcing these different segments of the film, um, or or at least notable characters that are going to appear, um, yeah, you get these sequences that go into animation, right? And and when he's dreaming, I was going to say most often it seems to be a subjective state that we're getting, whether it be a dream or just his memories or, or something. One's clearly a dream. Um, but yeah, the, the red character, Nick Cage, yeah. um, seems to go into these kind of reveries where he sees Mandy as this animated figure, um, especially after she's gone, gets to see her. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, I personally... Did, had no idea that was going to be a part of it. And the first time I saw it, I was like, this is crazy. I mean, that, <laughs> and, and the animation's great too. I mean, it's not, you know, um, 
they didn't cut any corners or anything on that. Uh, there are two things that I want to point out that kind of stuck with me the most. One of them we've briefly touched on, but they give Mandy acid and then she has this crazy, um, like trip yeah. where Jeremiah, the cult leader is talking to her and like, you know, I don't know, preaching oh, yeah. to her, I guess. Yes. And it's like, uh-huh. all the lighting's pink and he, when he moves blurs and yes. stuff and well, it's crazy. It's like you're and, getting trails. Like you get yeah. the, you, there's remnants of where the character was as the character moves a little bit. And it's with her too. I mean, yeah, these, yeah. Right. like a, like a, um, long exposure time. Like yeah. you want to take a photo while someone's moving and then you can see the right. It was like that. And, um, but then the part that fucked me up was when her, his face becomes yes. her face and yes. then becomes his face and becomes yeah. her face. Instead of doing shot reverse shot as he's saying yeah. this stuff yeah, to her, they just perfectly but, overlay their faces. But the eyes match so well. Yeah. And that's the part yeah. that really trips me up. And also it, there's a lot of dilated pupils. In yeah. This. yeah. <laughs> Seriously. I yeah. noticed that with Nick but, Cage but too. Like the there's shape, like really dilated pupils. The shape yeah. of their eyes. Yeah. Jeremiah and Mandy's yeah. is so similar that right. the, I mean, it's really just the nose down that you can really notice right. the change. And uh, I mean, and the scar on her cheek. And, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's crazy. Um, another part that kind of threw me was, uh, Thomas Wayne is, the uh, role that I recognize Jeremiah from. Oh, uh, interesting. Linus Roach, I guess. Yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays uh, Bruce Wayne's dad in Batman Begins. Right. Um, I remember really? him more from Homeland. He was on. See, I didn't watch that a show. recent season of Homeland, and uh, it's such a different character. And, and and he, I do kind of vaguely remember him from Chronicles of Riddick, which is a uh, flop. We'll probably talk about at some point, maybe because yeah. uh, I. I don't know. Flops anyway, of the 2000s. Flops of the 2000s. But yeah. I do remember, I watched that movie on cable a lot. And so I, I remember him, but he plays a pretty creepy character in that yeah. one. So it's not as far removed okay. as Thomas Wayne. And then another part, I, I guess there's a point in the movie that I didn't catch watching it. I haven't watched it a second time, but I did read some reviews afterwards that pointed this out. And so there were a couple of things that really clicked a lot more, but, um, I guess red is a recovering alcoholic or addict of some point. There's mm-hmm. like a really brief mention of it. Yeah. Um, which I didn't get, which makes the bathroom, the bathroom scene, scene. <laughs> more effective. And then, you know, it, as we've stated, this is a revenge uh, movie, so spoilers, he fucking kills a lot of people, um, forges his own axe, which is hard as fuck, yeah, and then like yeah. goes on this killing spree, and right when he starts it, he, you know, you're kind of worried because it doesn't seem like he's going to be super successful, and then he kind of right. gets his bearings, but as he's doing that, he just picks up a giant pile of blow and just like... Yeah. Just yeah. like does a lot of it at once yes. and just carries on. And yes. it's like one of the most Nick Cagean moments that you could have just because of how nonchalantly he kind of, you know. It, I wouldn't quite say nonchalant. I mean, it yeah, looks it, natural. It looks, but it's. Yet it is insane. He's going back to his old ways. <laughs> I mean, it is. And yeah. I mean. And and the bathroom scene is insane yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. I mean, no, he, that, that is like that is when you get like cage. full yeah. full throttle. Well, what cage. I love. So what I love, but I it mean, works though. It, I love so can much. Can we agree about that, that it works? Oh, the fact that the, he has the emergency bottle of vodka yeah. in the bathroom, <laughs> just beautiful. He walks in the lighting in that right. It suddenly becomes this like brightly lit. Like high key lighting situation, it, and it's one and of it's the, a gigantic bathroom yeah, that does huge. not quite fit in this weird no, little no, arty no. place. It's, it's not it like, like the it's cabin. a 1970s but like big suburban. But I'm totally okay with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but I agree. It, that scene for me has a similar effect that 
Um, if you remember in the Matrix, um, when they enter the simulation for the first time, and it's just a completely white room, mm-hmm. which is like super contrasted from how dark everything is before that. Right. It kind of has that feel because mm. everything's really dimly lit for the most part, and then all of a yeah. sudden, this like uh, very absolutely. well lit. And then when he's like, you know, sitting down and kind of, you know. Uh, after he freaks out and it has kind of calmed down a little bit, the how wide of an angle that lens is. Yeah. So yeah. it's like close up and far away at the same time, and it has like a really deep depth of field, and that right. just the imagery of that is like, I don't know. It was just that would have been fun to be on set. I guarantee. You. Oh, yeah. It was like, yeah. Okay, Nick, just do whatever you want to yeah. do right you, now. We're just going to shoot you. you just you, you know why we hired you? <laughs> this is it's why for this. Do it. <laughs> now's I, your time. I, I, um, I, I don't know. I don't know how much into the uh, the details of the plot further we want to go to like we've to gone pretty far. We, we, hey, we, we well, are the show of spoilers. So, yeah. yeah. For sure. All right. So there's. I have to talk about this one part of it bothers me, and it's funny because it's such an. I mean, there's so many weird things going on in the film that you just really, really kind of roll with, like yeah. him forging this gigantic axe to kill these guys with. Yeah. You know, like it's what it's like. Yeah. It, what? What? I don't. They kill Mandy in front of him. Burn her alive. Burn her alive in, in a sleeping of, yeah. bag. Yeah. And um, but before they do that, they stab him with this giant knife. Yeah. No big deal. No, no it, it wasn't. It wasn't well, a uh, fatal. Wound. They just like like where did what that knife me go? That, like, it would have been like twelve inches, but. No, but and it's ra- like a three inch wide blade, but he's, he's Nick Cage. I don't know. He's Nick Cage. Yeah, but they kept bothering me. I don't know. So I do you was, think? But he was clearly uh, alive. The thing that bothered me more was he was clearly alive when they left. Like, I mean, they yeah, 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 take yeah. no kind of. And I mean, again, that that setup. But they could have finished him, finished him, or or at least tried to, and then he could have emerged from that death state, which happens. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you see that sort of thing in films mm-hmm. all the time. But they didn't even bother this time. It was like, no. nah, he's still there. We're just going to take off. And I thought it was going to turn into this sort of thing where it's like, in the end, he's back there and they've killed her and he's just watching them mm. in this moment. You know, like a Jacob's been, Ladder scenario? It's been this whole like fantasy that he's I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. that would have It would have been, been kind of cool though to think that these uh, that this cult is just out there doing this still. Well, yeah. yeah. That's that's but, a good point, yeah. I don't but, know. That, that bothered me, I have so to say. We the haven't mer- really talked about the Black Skulls at all. And yeah. The, yeah. I mean, so yeah. so we have this hippie cult, right? I mean, I, I do want to make, make a point here. Like they are a hippie Christian cult. Yeah, because they are clearly using uh, crucifix, crosses, right? Not, not cross pentagrams, right? No, so they are not like a satanic cult. They are no. actually a hippie Christian cult. Um, I think that I guess he thinks Jesus didn't quite get it right the first time around. No, he's critical yeah. of him on a few occasions. Yeah, he did he uh, sacrifice. No, people. he has yeah. his own his own view of <laughs> of Christianity. How Jesus should have played that. That's right. <laughs> Um, so that that's kind of inter- an interesting choice, but they have this kind of affiliation with this gang of bikers, this small gang of three, I guess, or four with their three or whatever yeah. they are. Yeah. Um, well, they're the ones they're, who took like that crazy bikers. LSD that like turned into these monster like things. They're like LSD monsters. I mean, that is, yeah. um, and they, but you never really get great looks at them, right? I right. Mean, it's very dark. You're getting them silhouetted. I kept thinking Hellraiser, right? Yes. Because you have yeah. the guy with like pinhead, the pinhead coming out. Um, For sure. There's the guy with the goop on his face, yeah. which I didn't quite understand what that was, but it's creepy and it's and it's weird. And when they first show up, I mean, that was really one of those moments where I'm like, wow, that is some scary imagery. Even though I'm not seeing all that much, just what it's hinting at. 
is is pretty freaky. And and then when he starts taking him down later, that was uh, that was pretty shocking. But um, the Black Skulls, I thought that was a really cool touch where it's like, so this hippie Christian cult has this affiliation with this LSD biker gang. <laughs> and they're like, who, par- partnering, who they who refer to blood. as demons at some point. Yeah. Oh, we, we got to yeah. talk about the Cheddar Goblin. Cheddar right? Goblin. Cheddar Goblin. <laughs> So, you know, as as dark as this film is and as creepy as this film is, there are definitely some moments of comic relief, which I guess the bathroom scene could be. Um, it, it, I mean, I, I was laughing a little bit, but but it was pure, like, it's joy. Meta. It was, it's it was really this, like... Nick Cage patented scene. Yeah, it, it, was, it was wonderful. But, yes, another really very clear moment of comic relief of well I guess, well, it's I guess when cage is like isn't it when he goes back into the house yes immediately after all this yeah and there's after a commercial the on. so he's just watched the love of his life he's struggled his way he struggled his way out of the chains they had put him in um well barbed, barbed, barbed wire, wire, barbed wire. Yeah, yeah. yeah so he's like gotten himself out of barbed wire and he crawls back into the house and what does he see he sees a television commercial for Cheddar Goblin, which is like a Kraft macaroni and cheese type product with a goblin character as its spokesperson. And it, it vomits mac and cheese all over the Onto kids. Onto the kids, yes, yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, so it, what it is, the whole thing is Cheddar is Goblin. Hilarious. <laughs> now, now, did you notice that it showed up on the shelves in... Um, uh, I think the character's name is Carruthers, but it's Bill Duke, the guy who he goes to get the guns from. Oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Um, that, oh really? Yeah, if you look the in, the, in the background there, yes, right. And Commando. Uh, yeah, he's been. In I, many I, I've never seen Commando. Um, he, uh, yeah, no. If you look in the background of of the shot there, where Nick Cage is, you know, uh, talking to him, you can see Cheddar Goblin on the shelf. So that guy eats Cheddar <laughs> Goblin. <laughs> I would too. <laughs> yeah, and and he's the one who tells Nick Cage the uh, the whole backstory of of this cult and where where they came from and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, so some really crazy um, imagery in there. And and but once he starts going after them, once he has made that turn and he's he's gone full bore from there on out, it becomes. Not necessarily a by the book, but it it becomes like he's going to knock every. It has the pleasures of a off. revenge film. Yeah, you yeah. know he's going to kill them all. He lets the one woman off the hook. I though. was going to say I was, I was looking first, forward, and to she's it. clearly set up there. So there's a younger cult member who seems to be most under the sway of the leader who doesn't really do anything herself other than be I guess there. act as his sex slave or something or yeah. whatever it is that and. Um, and she's kind of spared. Nick Cage, I well, guess. Well, she's, she's the parallel to Mandy from yeah. her childhood story. Right. So I guess he, like, sees that, that, like, oh, yeah. you're the most reluctant in this. Yes, you're I'll you're the you innocent. I'm, I'm going to let you go here. Yeah. But, um, Sorry about the last however many years of your life. Yes. Right. Go start over. That you said. Um, I think, I mean, the last thing I really have to say mm-hmm. about it, other than everyone should go see it, is the scene where he kills Jeremiah is so badass. Yeah. I mean, he literally just looks down at him and says, I am your God now and crushes his skull with his bare hands. Speaking of game of Thrones, (laughs) reminiscent of that scene in game of Thrones. Yeah. Right. Where, uh, well, I'm not the game of Thrones watcher. So what there, somebody gets a head crushed and yes. And the eyes pop out just very similar. Yeah. 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 It, it was pretty bad. Well, and then the whole, you know, him begging for his life, but then also trying to assert dominance and then begging again. Yeah. yeah it's, it was, it was a very interesting, uh, final scene. And it for, lasted a lot longer than I would, that I was yeah. expecting it to. Yeah. Uh, he he kind of just like lets that guy talk until he realizes like, 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm, no, I'm, I'm done now. Yeah. Just, let's, I, I thought it was kind of interesting because obviously, you know, from the beginning, okay, I mean, the, 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 the capsule description says, you know, we know Mandy's going to get killed and Nick Cage is going to have revenge and you know it's going to be this cult that does it. So you're like, how is it going to happen? You're you're expecting, what what is it going to be? How do they kill Mandy? So we talked about um, the fact that they drug her and then right. uh, Jeremiah wants to have sex with her. Um, but and she laughs. She at him. laughs I mean, at him. That, hysterically. That she laughs hysterically at like, him. You're thinking she's like tripping out. There's this whole yeah. like this. He's probably done this a thousand times to other or you know whatever many times to other victims of his or people he's brought into the cult. And she just sees right through it, even and though she is his, full his masculinity of LSD. Is just yes, like and just he can't laughs take it. it. He's crying. He's looking into a mirror. Oh, like, that's a great scene. What do you want? Yeah. It's it, it was I thought kind of uh, I don't know a small cult by the way yeah <laughs> not a large hey, cult well but it's they, not about the, the you quantity, see how they dispense the with uh, one of the members right yeah. I mean they, so I'm sure they're just running you, you lots see of turnover her shedding exactly yes. lots of turnover I mean he he's clearly Jeremiah Sand is a fickle character yeah. we should also mention that he is a musician and he plays his oh, music yes. oh, this yeah. is another uh, throwback to, to Manson, <laughs> Manson yes. right because yeah. he's like he he is an unsuccessful musician he right. had his album yeah and then it Manson's didn't go fan, anywhere Manson's record is a little bit better than. Yeah. Well, his he even his is more like Manson meets the Carpenters. Yeah. Like he even yeah, says, he says, "You like the, the Carpenters?" carpenters? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. 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 I do not. Uh, personally, no. um, I do, but I'm I'm not going to go into a cult for them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I say at least a solid nine out of ten on this film. I, you know, I'm up there. It was so I did get to see this in the theater. I know you guys had to watch it video on demand um, because it has not played on the big screen here, and it probably won't. Um, but I, I bet ha- that was great. Happened to be in a bigger city, and uh, yeah, it was. It was really one of those. I went to a late showing, and it was a pretty full theater, and people were laughing at the right moments, and people were like gasping at the right moments. It, it really was one of those really fun. I can see this one becoming one of those midnight screening yeah. films yeah. that people yeah. are going to want to go to. In Apparently the his so earlier maybe, film is like that Maybe we'll get like a one-off at the draft house. Hopefully. In the yeah. Well, and I really want to see that other film too. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I think if you're a fan of uh, sort of slightly offbeat horror and or drug films, I think... You, or Nick Cage. Or, or, Nick, Cage, or yeah. Nick Cage, right? Now, you just be warned, like, if you don't like one of those things, you <laughs> have to wait through some of the other. Yeah. But if you like all of them, you're going to feel like this is a real treat. And, and I'm not a horror fan, but I just enjoyed this because of all those other things. Yeah, and yeah. It's kind of like the horror and the, the revenge is what gets you through it. Right. But along the way, it's, oh my God. Yeah. Well, part of what's getting me through this podcast, as always, <laughs> is this lovely beer we've been drinking. And I, I mean, New Braunfels, they've had some issues in the past. I'm just going to be blunt. They, they've had some quality issues. In the last year or so, it seems to have come back to where like everything is consistently really, really good. And this is one of those. I mean, I am really enjoying this beer. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think I was aware of them during that, you know. They weren't time. really distributing here. I would just get it. I had people uh, I knew who would go through, you know, uh, it's, yeah. it's not and far from where we live yeah. and they would bring it down. Yeah, and sometimes far. I'd try it and be like, eh, this isn't that good. Yeah. But everything I've had since they've been distributing down here in like the last year has been really good. Yeah. I've, their La Fleur de Mal is really good. I yeah. like that one a lot. Uh, I had the uh, peach version of this like series that uh, they do that this one's from. 
I enjoyed that. Um, only thing that um, I've had from them that's a really hard pass for me is the pickle fucker. <laughs> <laughs> Which, great name. I actually do like the pickle fucker. I, the, I've heard that it makes a good michelada. Uh, oh, I could see that. But I have not experienced that myself. So, so far, hard pass. Uh, yeah. Did not enjoy it at all. But Do you uh, like pickles? Uh, <laughs> you know. I mean, I don't feel, uh-oh. I don't feel any, what? Pati- I don't Carlos feel any, doesn't like pickles. I don't feel any particular way. <laughs> Dude. About oh. I'm a, I'm a big pickle fan. Yeah. I, you, like, so they, I, they're served with your club sandwich and I eat them and I enjoy it, yeah. but I'm not like, <laughs> oh man, you know what I want right now? Like a, you don't have a jar in the fridge on the rig. No, no. If I go to a restaurant and they have a pickle plate or something as an option on the appetizers, usually I will take on if it. It's, okay. If it's preferably with some Ruffles chips. Yeah. Okay. Pickle and ruffles, potato chips. I do I like. like I, I like, like a good the, pickle chip. I like yeah. potato chips. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to deny that. But, yeah. All right. Um, so whenever so, we come back, yes. we are going to open up this conversation and really ask the tough questions. Um, Nick Cage, good or bad? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and we're back on uh, Beer in a Movie. As stated previously, we're here to ask the tough questions. Nick Cage, good or bad? Um, <laughs> Which, for, for those listeners who, who aren't aware, I wasn't uh, on the break. Uh, Carlos informed me uh, was maybe season five of Community, you say? I think it's season five, yeah. That, uh, that the character Abed takes a course that has that very title, uh, Nick Cage, good or bad. Yeah. And uh, drives him crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and actually at the beginning of the class, the professor tells him, Abed, don't, don't watch too much in one sitting. This question cannot be answered. You'll drive yourself crazy. And he watches like half his filmography in one, in one go or whatever. <laughs> Must've um, taken him five months. Uh, that's true. He has a lot of credits, but uh, so it, it doesn't based on our conversation right before we started recording, it doesn't seem that any of us really feel uh, very negatively about Nick Cage, which I will say from my experience um, is a rare occurrence. So you can have three people in a room that all agree, agree Nick that Cage. Nick Cage is in fact good. Um, normally I mean, I mean, I have heated discussions about this very conversation on a regular basis, yeah. but before I stress myself out too much thinking about all the Nick Cage haters in the world, uh-huh. We have a beer. Open. <laughs> we do have a beer. So similar to Carlos, where he was thinking about this kind of color connection, because again, if there is a color that thematically and and visually um, seals the the film Mandy, it is the color red. I mean, it, it is dominated mm-hmm. by that. The poster art. I mean, everything about it. So um, so Carlos found this great saison with uh, strawberries. Uh, I happened to be in Austin. That's where I saw the film on the big screen. And when I was there, I went to the Jester King Brewery, and they had just released this uh, beer that they made. It is from their Spawn series, S-P-O-N. That is sort of their spontaneous fermentation series where they actually um, they create the wort, they put it out in the night air, and as it cools, the natural yeast and other sort of microorganisms that are in the air settle on it and they go to work. So there's no yeast that's intentionally put in there by the brewers. It is what is in the natural environment. So this is something they have to sit on it for a while because it doesn't act the same way that a typical beer does. These are aged for years. So this one actually 
for the 2018 release is a blend of 100% spontaneously fermented beer from 2014, 2015, and 2016. And in this case, this specific variant they did is re-fermented with raspberries and Balaton tart cherries. So I'm going to... They like to have fun out there. They're playing around with stuff. Yeah, they not, get a barrel of it and they're like, you know, I'm not sure, so sure about this, so we'll blend it with a couple other years, <laughs> referment it again. That's right. Yeah, uh, that that was a lot of terminology that alchemy. I don't fully understand <laughs> or really follow, uh, but it sounds crazy. Well, usually you're you're very, um, it's very con- fermentation is a dangerous thing, and it's hard enough to uh, control it when you know exactly to. what you're putting in it right. but if you just leave it out open to the air and catch what uh, happens to be in the air there's no telling what you're going to get so you know they're very inspired here by belgian brewers who do what are called lambic beers which are basically done the same way um they put them out in the air and they just kind of like catch the natural bacteria but people in the states have not been doing these beers and so th- this is kind of one of the very first. Now there are a few, maybe a handful, well, probably more than a handful of breweries in the United States who are doing beers like this that are inspired by that. Um, but from the ones that I've had, Jester King seems to do them the best. So, uh, Yeah, this boy, beer does not that... play. I mean, it, it <laughs> is red. Yes, it is blood red. Um, well, maybe a, a little lighter than blood. Plum. but. And so, oh. for such a fancy beer, and it has a very fancy bottle, what what is the ABV on five point four percent? So it's yeah. not like you're getting a high ABV or anything. No. It's all about the uniqueness of it. right, and the and the the, and the very vibrant flavor of it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's a, so this is like the saison uh, de Electra that we had earlier is is a bit of a sour, so mm-hmm. it's going to be more tart and um, and and lively, but. Uh, yeah. So so we'll sip on this, and I think this will uh, kind of, you know, hey, we're talking about tart and lively. <laughs> Nick Cage, huh? Right? Um, you know, like Carlos was saying, he is a polarizing figure. I recognize that. Though in my lifetime, he has always been a guy who I love to see show up in movies. And I think probably for me, the first film that I can really remember enjoying him in and really appreciating him in raising Arizona. Right. Okay. Now before you continue, this is something that I think we should all go around and say Mm. the first film that we saw where we were like, yes, this is so for me, it's raising Arizona, uh, by far on cable, probably HBO at the time. Um, you know, played it regularly. I can remember watching it with my brother. I, I don't know. Dozens of times, probably. I do. I have three brothers, but oh. that yeah. <laughs> one who's close enough in age to you me said that, that we and were I was like, wait, it. I don't know anything about you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but it was just, it was the weirdest to me at the time. And again, you know, now what, knowing what I know, it makes sense. The Coen brothers, they're film yeah. obsessed, but it was the weirdest combination of a, you know, Warner brothers cartoon and a straight up kind of wacky, um, live action comedy. And then you have Cage with his hair in that film and his mustache um, playing High McDonough. And I just, you know, it, it, was, it, it was an indelible kind of image that, that was bla- emblazoned on my head. I mean, I just raising Arizona. Yeah, I don't, I, um, well, that one would be the first one. I, I mean, just because it's such, it is, a, 
such a Nick Cage <laughs> film, yeah. Pantheon of Things. And I, I remember seeing that in the theater with my parents and also just being like, what the hell is this? this is, <laughs> but this is great. I love this. You yeah. Know? But I, I, I'm old enough, um, you know, that I remember seeing like Valley Girl being a thing when I was a kid. Right. That whole Valley Girl Classic. bullshit, you know, but him I saw being that later. the lead love actor that and just be, and being aware of that film and seeing that film and knowing him. And also I probably didn't know it, but I'd seen Fast Times at Richmond High, which is still one of my favorite movies right. of all. And that's where, his first film. The where film he shows yeah. up very, it's very not, briefly. Yeah, yeah, not in there long. Yeah, yeah, he's in he's in the restaurant or like the fast yeah, he works place. The fast and then at the place. very end, he's mm-hmm. like waving. Right. At the, like right at, before yeah. the credits roll. Also, the movie um, that prompted his name change. Well, that he was, he was credited as Nicholas Coppola in that film, right? Yeah, but yeah. it was on that set that people really were giving him shit for being their perceived perceived nepotism. Okay. Um, Yeah. And so his experiences doing that, he was like, okay, I have to forge my own. I can't have that name and be able to do anything. I've got to do something. else. And then he changed his name to Nick cage because he's such a comic book fan. And Luke cage was one of his favorite characters. That's how he, I knew that. I knew that he was a big, I didn't realize that was the origin of the name. He has a son named Kal-El. I did know that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he he went from doing that one to right to Valley girl and being, you know, lead actor. And it's like how fast he he blew up (laughs) after that is just ridiculous. Right. Right. I mean, you can change the name, but, you know, nepotism's still kind of there. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you know, real. let's be honest, you know, well, like, it's like, it's like Jason Schwartzman, you know, he was like the drummer of some band and then was in Rushmore. Yeah. You know, like also a Coppola. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah it's there. Helps. And you know what? It does help a lot. <laughs> it, it helps, but they mainly use that. Uh, um, you know, I'm thinking of Schwartzman, Sophia, uh, Nick Cage, Roman, like th- that GM. family, yeah, has has used it for good, right? Yeah. I mean, they've, I mean made, they've done great they've work. They've made interesting stuff uh, from that. They haven't just uh, used it to coast. Yeah, into- Roman was, um, was he a co-writer on Life Aquatic or Dirt Shielding? Yeah. And one he's made some of his two. own films yeah. too. Yeah, CQ was one he made a while back that was... I thought it was a pretty interesting film. It's been I mean, of course, Lost in Translation, yeah. you know, so, that, that stuff. But pretty quickly in the 80s, kind of made a name for himself. I Later, I remember seeing, you know, films like Peggy Sue Got Married. I think Vampire's yeah. Kiss was another one that stood okay. out to Classic. me once I got he to is that. A, he is a prolific actor. Mm. I'm just looking through How this. many I credits mean, does he have? Can you total that up for uh, us? No, I won't do that. But I can tell well, you it that. Should, it'll it say it. Uh, does it say? 97. 97. That's that is including some pre and post production work right that now that will come out that should come out. Yeah. But so. like 2017, you know, he's got five movies. Yeah, <laughs> no, he's he is not coasted into his uh, whatever. Is he 60 now? No, is he 50? 54. Oh, he's okay. got to be close to 60. He's 54. Yeah, you're right. Okay. 64. Yeah. So he started he's, young. Wait, he's, yeah, he was he he's was on 64. Or he was he born was in 64. No, he was born in 64. Okay. So he is like, 54. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because I was reading an article about him, and he was talking about getting divorced and being single at 54 years old and how strange that is. Um, so for me, my first uh, Cage movie that I really kind of noticed him in, I think, or that I at least remember him from, um, it's kind of a tie between two. Um, but as you said about Raising Arizona, being on cable and all that kind of stuff, um, for me, being a bit younger, Gone in 60 Seconds was the one oh, that was huh. in constant TNT, Yeah, uh, you know, basic cable um rotation and so i saw that and was like oh this guy is great and then i remember i think my mom 
was like, hey, you need to watch this, but it was The Rock, which is the only uh-huh. uh, passable or watchable Michael Bay films. The only that that and Bad Boys. Sorry, he has two that he gets a pass on. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, um, but I really liked that movie and especially liked him and Sean Connery both in that one. Uh, and then. Uh, Con Air after that. National Treasure was after that for me. Yeah, the mid-90s was kind of a, a, a great moment for him in those action films, right? Face Off is one... It, face, face Off. Face Off is a movie that I will say, like, the best example of when I saw a trailer for a film and I thought, that is going to be the worst, biggest piece of shit, yeah. horrible film. And then, of course, it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> what? The, John Travolta and Nicolas Cage get their faces taken off? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's they fantastic. Swap faces, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty fantastic though. There's um, a face off TV show. I don't know if it's the same. <laughs> it's, it's probably a reality show where people yeah. are actually exchanging faces. You're, you're, it probably <laughs> is. Um but but it's interesting because, you know, so there was that big 90s, you know, him becoming it this is. action star kind of uh move and and that kind of led into some of the stuff he did in the 2000s though. I kind of fell out of, you know, I'm looking at his filmography. I remember adaptation very clearly. I mean, that that was definitely one of those standout roles yes. for me. Um, you know, playing both Charlie and Donald Kaufman, the uh, the twin brothers, um, as they who are both credited as writers. Yes, and didn't they both win Oscars for writing? They they were both. They were nominated, but they didn't end up winning. Yeah, they right? didn't win, but they so were the, yeah. like they did so get it. So was that, wondering what was going to happen if they won, right? <laughs> that would have been amazing. That that would have, um, but but a great film, and and definitely a loopy, strange in in terms of the way that film is structured. If you ever get a chance, if you haven't seen adaptation, I, I well, can I ask? Well, I'm gonna. There's a lot of his films I haven't seen. There you, are. You, I want you to tell me if I should see these movies. National Treasure. Yes, of course, it's a classic. What, Why? what about? It's such a good movie. Is it when you say Both, good? Though, do you National mean, Treasure not, and not National the second. Treasure. You can skip booth. the second. The first okay. one is a classic. It's not. A, I mean, it's not a. It's not going to make the AFI top one hundred no, or anything like but, that. I mean, it's a movie, not a film. Okay. Um, but it's a lot of fun, and <laughs> okay, it's you know it's is, clever enough in the writing, and there's you know everything like ties together really well. It's just a satisfying movie to watch. You know, you're not going to leave it thinking about it or being affected by it, but you're going to enjoy the ride, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's, it's, you know, it's historical fiction. So there's lots of like fun little facts in there about like the, you know, his character's name is Benjamin Franklin Gates. Yep. About the founding of daylight savings, you know, just random (laughs) stuff that's like interesting and makes the, you know, the movie fun. Um, So uh, the one before that though, matchstick men, you ever see that? Yep. Nope. Fantastic. That is really good, actually. And that's Sam Rockwell, right? Yeah. Yeah, Sam Rockwell, who we've brought up on episodes before here. Yeah, but Cage plays... Ridley Scott directed it. Yeah. Uh, That I did not remember, but he he plays uh, someone with uh, pretty severe neuroses and uh, OCD, I think. Um, And so he's very just all over the place and jittery and stuff. And he, I mean, gives a very classic Cage performance in that by Mm -hmm. being, you know... Anyway... Yeah. 
are there any others that you uh, G Force? Uh, <laughs> I can't. I can't. Speak he has on that. a he has a, a career he's, doing voice. I was going to say too. he's done a lot of yeah. voice uh, voice work. Um, I have not seen G Force. That's the one where I think they're hamsters yes. or something, or right? Gerbils, I guess. Yeah. Here are movies. G- here movies pigs. that I'll, I'll tell Guinea you pigs. that you can skip. These are the skippable ones, definitively for me. Um, World Trade Center, The Wicker Man, Ghost Rider. Ooh, The Wicker. Uh, wait. Ah, 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 ah. The Wicker Man. Hold on, hold on. Skip? Knowing. Knowing is awful. Um, Sorcerer's Apprentice, uh, Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance. Yeah, hard pass on that one. Um, the Wicker Man is. I mean, it's worth watching for how absurd it is. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not great. But it. But it has some of those great it, scenes. The bees. Does. The bees. It does. But you could probably just watch the like super cut of it and get the same out of it than maybe enduring I, the whole thing. Um, okay. Ghost fine, Rider is fine. actual garbage though. Both of them. Uh, yeah, no, I did. I saw the so first no one in the theater and I remember it was one of those times where I really felt like, oh geez, the, the price I paid here was really not worth it. Mm. Yeah. No, yeah. no. I mean, you couldn't, you would have to pay me to sit through the whole thing. Honestly. <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't, I mean, I, I think he's the greatest actor of our generation and I won't. Watched it front right. to back. Right. You put him in the wrong material and say, like, yeah, it doesn't matter how good he is. I mean, it's not even just that. It's just, I mean, I guess that is part of it. But God, I mean, it's like a master class in how to do everything wrong Yeah, from a director's <laughs> point of view. And uh, man, it's just, it's rough. Um, mm-hmm. His his uh, career does kind of take a turn towards the late 2000s. And he takes some very questionable roles, in my opinion. Yeah. Now, so has he has he bounced back here more recently? Have you have you been following his? Uh, I mean, I've always been following. Bad Lieutenant, uh, Port of Call, New Orleans was good. That was amazing. Yeah, seeing terrific. that movie in the theater, uh, whenever it was that two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I I remember going and having such. I, I mean, I went because it was Werner Herzog. Yeah, is you know okay. So remaking is, Bad Lieutenant. Well, not even remaking. It, it's yeah. like a. I mean, it's a riff on it. And, yeah. But it's kind of like, a, so this is a sequel to the film Bad Lieutenant. How does this work? And I just was floored at how, like, I, re- I think I was acting like Nick Cage in the theater <laughs> because I was so. That's dangerous. In that well, it, it, I mean, I was just, I remember my mouth like just dropping to the floor when I'm like, is this happening? Are you? And I'm looking around the theater and like, <laughs> are you all seeing this? Is this happening right now? So a fun fact about Bad Lieutenant, um, I was reading this article that got into like his extreme methods uh, yeah. for getting into character and for Bad Lieutenant. He uh, compulsively snorted saccharin, I guess is oh how you God. say it, to uh, put him in the mindset of a drug addict and quote Nick Cage, I think I freaked out Herzog out, or I think I freaked Herzog out a bit, which then freaked me out because you really have to have gone way out <laughs> to freak out. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Hey, yeah, if so. you if you can out Kinski, Klaus Kinski, yeah. you I mean, woof. That's and he did. He did for that one. Apparently, wow. That's funny. I'd love to hear Herzog talk about that at some point. No, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, but that that's one that definitely stands out to me as being uh, you know, real sort of uh high point in his filmography. Oh my god, he did Left Behind. He's in the Left Behind. He movie. did? Yes. Really? He's done some questionable stuff, man. Wow. Yeah, he's in that Tim LaHaye movie. Interesting. Wow. That I might have to watch it. We might have to do he, a he's a polarizing figure. Look. 
when we were talking about doing this episode and I said that this is Nick Cage Park on and you were like, oh, I don't know about that. You were like, you know, trying to say, <laughs> oh, that I think we'll just be one and done. There was no way in hell we were ever going to be okay. one and done with well, Nick Cage. Well, you're right. And with all of these films coming up still, I mean, the... Uh, He's going to show up again? Yeah. Like he always does. More likely. But I mean, I, you know, th- that he would sign on to a film like Mandy and to do it, like, you know, the way he did, um, p- pull it out the way he did, it... It was incredible. Yeah. I mean, th- now there was one. So I went to see this at the Draft House in Austin, and the pre-show that they had there was all these clips of Cage from various films, and there were a couple that I just hadn't seen, um, and and I was wondering. So there's one. I'm pretty sure the film is Arsenal. Have you seen that one, Carlos? I have not. And that was just from last year, apparently. Um, a southern mobster attempts to rescue his kidnapped brother. And Cage, in the film, he has like a mustache and this real shaggy haircut. Um, it, I don't know. It, it was a look I had never seen on him. So the clips kind of stood out where I'm like, what movie is that? Well, and I saw USS Indianapolis, Men of Courage, and that was terrible, terrible. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's like where it's about this um, horrible, the biggest sea disaster for the Navy where all these Guys got eaten alive. Yeah, at, on the way back from dropping off the the bomb to drop on Hiroshima. Okay, and it was like they had no money whatsoever to do the actual special effects. Oh wow! And yet Nick Cage is there in the movie. <laughs> that, like, and that was Mario Van Peebles. Huh. Oh man, it's uh, not. They seriously, someone just like told them you can make this movie, but you can't have any money to do it. So uh, here's a quote that I uh, found that I feel like says a lot about Nick Cage uh, as an actor. So in 2013, uh, via a Reddit AMA, Ethan Hawke, uh, to go back to our last episode, confirmed that he too is a Cage superfan, saying, quote, he's the only actor since Marlon Brando that's actually done anything new with the art of acting. He's successfully taken us away from an obsession with naturalism into a kind of presentation style of acting that I imagine was popular with the old troubadours. Nice. Do we agree with this statement? Yeah, well, I was, you, you were saying, you know, Nick, Nick Cage, good or bad. I don't, I like, the question doesn't even make sense to me. It's just like, unanswerable. Nick Cage is. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like, it's, is he good or is he, he bad? He, he is exists just, he and you just have to grapple with is. him. Yes. Well, and I, but I, but I like that quote that, that you're pulling there. I like Ethan Hawke's take on it because it really is, he is not going for a kind of naturalism. He's not trying to, um, yeah, that's it. That's the image. Uh, that's, am- that's amazing. Yeah, he's he's not trying. Is that mustache t- falling off. It looks like. It. Yeah, <laughs> this is Nick Cage and Arsenal we're he, talking about. He is whatever role he is playing. He is taking it, and he is like sort of. Um, he's he's digging into it, and then he is like projecting back to you like the most magnified version of that thing that you're going to see. And that's not to say he can't play subtle. I mean, like there are times where. He does, and I think adaptation, even, even part, maybe. yeah, right, absolutely, right? even parts of Mandy. I mean, like there are yeah, scenes yeah. in Mandy where it's very subdued, and ter- but <laughs> when those moments of emotion ramping up come, boy, you're going to see that in an extreme way. So the way he describes um, his acting style, and I, I just want to give credit real quick. Um, a lot of this is coming from an interview from the Guardian uh, conducted by Hadley Freeman. 
that you can go read in full. Uh, the article title is Nick Cage. If I don't have a job to do, I can be very self-destructive. Um, so he explains his acting style using terms such as German expressionist, mm. Western Kabuki, and uh, the author of this article's personal favorite, uh, Nouveau Shamanic. <laughs> uh, yeah. It sounds like maybe he was in these, The Children of the New Dawn And these haven't done uh, This is a quote from the article Haven't done much to dispel the impression that he is At the very least a little bananas <laughs> Which it's Not here to argue yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, he's, uh, but, he, but he's channeled his bananasness Bananasness Banana-like qualities I don't know um, He's channeled them Bananaism Bananaist Tendencies There's a word there He has channeled them I think for the greater good He he gives us all Something to, to crack into Now As as we've kind of Gone through There's Apparently He's He In the sheer number Of films that he's done There are going to be Some clunkers in there Um For from a filmmaking standpoint. Yeah. So I think at the very least, you're probably right, Carlos, we should revisit and, and maybe we'll pick a few, uh, Nick Cage flops the most to, or to look at. Maybe the, the most absurd of Nick Cage. Okay. Uh, we could do an episode on his yeah. most absurd performances. When, when, when reviewing movies via his many podcasts, Kevin Smith often talks about performances and, mm-hmm. um, until I had heard him speak about, these things. I, I never really thought about it in terms of actors making choices in films. Yeah, I just never really framed it that way in my mind right. before. Uh, but he talks, you know, he speaks very highly of Nick Cage every time he talks about him because of these bold choices that he makes. And um, the way he puts it is that he swings for the fences every time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes you miss entirely and it's a big whiff, but sometimes you hit it like way, way over the fence. And it's really because of the sheer commitment and just like, energy he puts into everything yeah. either it hits or it doesn't right but i mean so we're you know we're talking very low lows at times but also like soaring highs as far as like quality of his work yeah. um, so i think there's something to be said for that i mean to commit the way that he does is not something that most people's fear of failure kind of inhibits them from doing that and he's just like whatever here we go yeah yeah, no, the, I would I would say that that describes what he does pretty well. So, do we like this beer as much as we like uh, well, Nick Cage? Uh, what do you think? I mean, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. I I love this beer. When I had it um, on site there, I was just the raspberry is so upfront. I mean, I've I've never had a beer that's captured raspberry this well, and uh, and so I'm I'm loving that. And the color is pretty you know, beautiful too. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a fun beer to look at. It's a fun beer to sip. Um, yeah. I can't wait for this Nick Cage, big game hunter movie. <laughs> and, primal. That, and, the, guys, and that one is primal. primal. All right. Uh, it's post-production right now, guys, a big game hunter for zoos. That's all you need to say. Nice. You know, it's a Nick Cage. Film. Full stop. Well, Full stop. And, and what's interesting <laughs> is the, the guy who is the, uh, the director on it, has actually been more of a stunt man. I mean, he, he's oh. most of his work has been in stunts, so this might be like the new Hal Needham, I think, maybe. So, who is that? Who Hal Needham? Hal Needham? Hal Needham? He, he was originally a stunt man, but he went on to make Smokey and the Bandit, mm. Cannonball Run. Like he was more yeah. in the action I th- comedy I think, vein. But. I think the director of Rad was a stunt man before. Yeah, that was that was Hal Needham. It's Hal Needham. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yep. I, th- I thought I thought I thought the name sounded familiar, and I was like, hold on. I'm sure we could all get behind a Hal Needham episode. Oh right? yeah, Oof. Cannonball Run is 
Absolutely. I'm here for Smoking it. Key All right. <laughs> well, we're getting a little off track here. It's time to end. Let's rein yeah. her in. Um, you know, Nick Cage, love him, hate him. You should love him. But you should. <laughs> love him, hate him. I think Mandy is definitely worth checking out. Absolutely. If you're, um, looking. And you can watch it right now on pay-per-view. That's right. On uh, through Amazon Prime or iTunes. Uh, yeah. or Pretty much yeah. anywhere that you Pretty can. Pretty much any. Google Play. Yeah. If you can rent a movie digitally, yeah. you can find me. But you there. know what? Like, honestly, look for one of those midnight screenings at some oh, point. Oh, that sounds like a blast. I, I have to admit, I've watched it on my computer. And yeah. It, it was like still i i it was still great i'm almost also, yeah. like as we sit here i'm almost thinking like i need to like rent out a theater at some point and <laughs> just, just four wall mandy stage a screening and <laughs> yeah uh, and put that in there maybe uh maybe that's our launch party maybe who knows um so again thanks for tuning in uh tuning in thanks for listening to us streaming downloading, downloading whatever whatever you're doing um, beer in a movie, uh, you know, if you want to interact with us, we hope you do. We have our Facebook page. That's uh, facebook.com slash beer in a movie TX. Uh, we have a Twitter, and you know the title of that one. What's that? Uh, That's beer movie, right? Beer movie show, I beer think. Beer movie show. Um, and then beer in a movie on Instagram, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And um, the website, uh, beer in a movie podcast. Dot com. Am I getting that? Yeah, and then if you are listening to this on um, Apple Podcasts or iTunes, um, you can always uh, rate and review. That's uh, very helpful. Um, a few people have left us some reviews. We appreciate that a great yeah. deal. Um, and subscribe, most importantly. Subscribe Absolutely. so you can keep up to date with when. Um, and we try to throw out some uh, some indications of what we might be doing coming up. Uh, in advance of this episode, we ha- we asked people what their favorite Nick Cage scenes were. Yeah, very interactive post, that one. Yeah. Lots of, uh, lots of you guys responded and... It was great to see, and, and we've mentioned know. some of those already. Shouts but, out um, Will, shouts out Jennifer. Uh, uh, Roy was yeah, on there, yeah. Roy, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, lots of feedback on that one. Right. And most I, most of them directly referenced Mandy, even though the post that we put up didn't say that we were watching no, Mandy. No, so but that's, that's an indicator of what an important film this is right this, now. This is a, a movie of the moment. So uh, thanks a lot for listening, and uh, you know, hit us up on social media. Until next time. Watch out for the Cheddar Goblin.